So welcome to the 11th Canto class, chapter 27, called The Process of Deity Worship, which we will conclude uh, uh, with this session. And then next week began the next chapter, chapter 28, which is called Shnana Yoga. Uh, so, so we've gotten up to text 51. Uh, so, um, what's been happening here is that uh, It's really concluded all the details about deity worship. And then now with text 50, uh, the turn to the topic of temple construction and mentioned uh, after, after uh, dealing with deities in the temple in text 50, the devotee should more fully establish my deity by solidly constructing a temple along with beautiful gardens. These gardens should be set aside to provide flowers for the regular deity, daily worship, special deity processions and holiday observances. So that's where it ended. Uh, we ended with that. Now, the conclusion uh, with 51 and 52 are going to be some benedictions for those who are doing things for the deities. Uh, 53 talks about people who do things without desiring any benedictions being even higher. Then 54 and 55 talk about people who commit offenses, steal from the deities and things like that. And uh, that's the end of the chapter. So the, the kind of benedictions and blessings and then the, the opposite, the punishments. And that'll conclude the chapter. And we'll talk a little bit about offenses to the deity also. Uh, so text 51, we'll begin with uh, uh, that one. Uh, so the 50, remember, has talked about uh, as more fully establishing the deity uh, sampratishtapya. Not just pratishta, but sampratishta, fully establishing with a mandir, mandir, a temple. Uh, so then, now we go to 51. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So 51 goes, Pujadinam Pravarhatam Mahapa Mahaparvasvatanvaham Shetra Parna Pura Graman 
tattvamatsharshtitam iyat one who offers the deity gifts of land markets cities and villages so that the regular de- daily worship and special festivals of the deity may go on continually will achieve opulences equal to my own mm-hmm. so uh, it begins puja pujadinam that's puja Adinam. Notice this word, by the way, puja has two long vowels. People that go around this, our movement sometimes say pooj. Yes, pooj. It's puja. So, pujanam, uh, puja, and then the adinam, etc., which is translated. Uh, Regular deity, regular worship, puja, etc., means uh, uh, special festivals, as they translated here in the word, word for word, for puja and other things. Pravaha uh, artham, uh, in order to ensure the continuance of these things. They use this word here, pravaha uh, artham, artham for the sake of pravaha. The, the pravaha with the pravaha literally means a stream or a river or a running current, and then it means a continuous flow, so that this the continuous flow of worship can go on. Uh, puja pravartam in order to consider, in order to establish the assure the continuous steady regular like a, like a flowing stream of the worship of the deity and the occasional and special uh, uh, festivals. Uh, uh, and Mahapavarsu uh, on auspicious occasions. Uh, and Anu Aham, uh, daily, uh, so the continuance, auspicious occasions, festivals, and on a day anuaham, on a daily basis. Uh, so here's the list. This person will datwa, there's the verb datwa, will give shetra, uh, uh, land, apana, shops, pura, cities, grama, villages. Uh, so Obviously, they're thinking of kings and people like that. In other words, the income that would be realized through these enterprises will go to the deities. And this happens. Uh, there are places in India where there are big temples, and uh, uh, harvest is crops, uh, shops, uh, even whole cities. The king normally would tax them. That tax money would go to the deities, for example. Uh, so so I give these things to the deities and you, you remember in, in India like at Jagannath Puri the legal owner of that temple is Lord Balaram not Jagannath but because Lord Jagannath is the younger brother Balaram is the older brother so the names are the deities are legally in the name the, the property is legally the temple legally in the name of Lord Balaram. Uh, 
And so these are the, the gifts. Uh, today, so, someone could uh, establish a, a kind of trust that would give a regular income to the temple. So this is to provide for regularly and securely provide for regularly deity worship now and in the future. This is the kind of thing. So basically what you do, you have an endowment. And then endowment gives a regular income, just like universities and hospitals. and These patients get endowed. Uh, so that's talking about the same thing. That person, Matsharshti Tam he gets an opulence equal to my own. Krishna is saying this to this is, So in the future, he does this, there will be a future reward. He'll get a, a great deal of opulence in a probably a future life. Uh, uh, the purport uh, 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 they, they uh, Let's say here, uh, by placing tracts of land in the deity's name, there will be regular income for opulent deity worship, both from rent and from agricultural production. A worshiper who makes the arrangement mentioned above will certainly achieve opulence like that of the personality of God. So they basically just give a little more details. Uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur um, uh, comments on it. He said, even a wealthy man can become successful by using wealth for the Lord. Otherwise, your wealth is a heavy burden that drags you down if you don't use it in God's service. He will attain wealth equal to mine. Uh, then, uh, this is this, uh, this text uh, yeah, 51 there's a little here in this this book we're looking at, the Pancharatrika Padipa, tells a little explanation of this. Uh, uh, it was standard practice in previous times for kings to establish large temples and dedicate land, markets, and townships to the service of those temples. So this was the practice. As Kali Yuga advances, such arrangements have, unfortunately, become a thing of the past. Nevertheless, it is possible to establish an endowment fund for a deity, a large sum of money kept in a bank account from which interest profits are taken for the maintenance of the worship. It is also common practice, especially in India, for temple management to accept donations of specific cash amounts for which particular functions of worship are performed on behalf of the donor. So somebody can do that on the occasion of our wedding anniversary or my son's birthday. We, you know, please, uh, I'll pay for all the flowers for the day. This happens regularly in this country too in our temples. Because deity worship, remember the deity is to be worshipped like a king in his palace. Of course, we don't have kings in palaces anymore, but, you know, like that. And, and, and therefore, uh the flower garlands, outfits, uh, even the regular worship, uh, six food offerings a day, all that costs money. And, uh, and uh, 
And this is an important aspect of bhakti yoga, which is to engage the senses in the service of the master of the senses. It's one way of living with the Lord. Uh, so, so, so this it helps everybody. The person who does this not only gets a benefit, but it helps give benefit to other people who are able to come and appreciate the Lord in that way. Anyway, it goes on here in this explanation. Uh, for this purpose, that is to say, uh, specific cash amounts for particular functions of worship, for this purpose, a list of functions with the appropriate donations is posted in the temple for visitors to see. You can see that, how much if you want to sponsor one RT or one uh, dress or, you know, the whole, the whole list is there. And the donations are accepted by one of the temple officers. That's, that's the way it's done there. Uh, uh, so the, this is... Uh, 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 but in, the, in this purport, the real thing is the deities... When, when deities install in the temple, it, it, ideally you have some assurance of the continuance of that activity. That you, 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 you're taking a responsibility that these deities will be properly taken care of. And, and for, for proper deity worship, you need a staff of people who, who do it properly. And showing the devotees attention like that the deities reciprocate. Uh, so that's the first benediction. Someone who does this will get opulence like my own. And then uh, continuing the same theme, uh, theme, excuse me, with uh, text number uh, 52. It goes like this in Sanskrit. Patishtaya sarvabhomam sadmana bhuvanatrayam Puja dinam brahma lokam tribhyamat samyatamiyat. By installing the deity of the Lord, so now we come to installing the deity, a little different. By, ins by installing the deity of the Lord, one becomes king of the entire earth. By building a temple for the Lord, one becomes ruler of the three worlds. By worshipping and serving the deity, one goes to the planet of Lord Brahma. And by performing all three of these activities, one achieves a transcendental form like my own. Uh, uh, so this pratishta, that's an installation. And remember in the previous verse they used the word sampratishta, firmly establishing my building. So pratishta... And how to install a deity has been discussed earlier in this chapter, the proper installation, how the Lord is invited to, to, to come, and you take making on the obligation, you're going to take care of him. Uh, so, installing the deity, uh, Sarvabhoma, this uh, sovereignty over the entire earth. Uh, this is uh, uh, Sadaman, Building a temple, Bhuvanatraya, rulership over the three worlds, Bhuvaswa, upper, middle, and lower planetary systems, huh? the three worlds. 
Puja Adi by Puja and other service, Brahmaloka, the planet of Brahma, one attains Brahmaloka, and by all three, Matsamyata, uh, uh, being the same as me. Uh, Krishna is saying to Uddhava, and they say here in the word for word, having a transcendental form like my own, a spiritual body similar to Krishna's. And so, uh, now, uh, basically, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says the same thing I just said in his commentary. But here in this, uh, this Pancharachapadipika book, they have uh, a, uh, uh, an explanation uh, for this verse and the next verse uh, together for 52 and for 53. So we'll read 53 and then we'll read their explanation for this one. Uh, so here in text 53, uh, uh, it goes like this, Mam e, mam eva nari pekshena bhakti yogena vindati Bhakti yogam salabhatta ivamya pujayetamam, mam, excuse me. But one who simply engages in devotional service with no consideration of fruitive results attains me. Thus, whoever worships me according to the process I have described will ultimately attain pure devotional service unto me. Uh, 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 and, and so here you can see that that 51 and 52 are the benedictions for those with some personal ambition. They're, they're, they're doing something pious, but they want to enjoy some reward uh, for it. But when we come, come to 53, uh, uh, um, one who is uh, nair apiksha, this uh, free from motivation, is translated here. Nair apiksha uh, means a kind of indifference or detachment. So a person who does it without any idea of getting anything in return, that person who engages in, in uh, uh, bhakti yoga, uh, which includes deity worship, and it's mentioned twice in this verse. Uh, uh, so that's why it says, one who simply engages in devotional service with no consideration of fruitive results, this is Naira Piksha, attains me. Uh, 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 then, uh, uh, thus those who worship me according to the process I have described will ultimately attain pure devotional service to me. Uh, the, uh, we have another translation of this verse by Banu Swami, who's following the strict commentary of Vishnu Chakravarti. Banu Swami translates it like this, but one who simply engages in devotional service with mo no motives at all achieves prema, 
and by prema he achieves me. So here's what Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur says. He who worships my deity form without other desires such as jnana and karma, or he who engages others in worship, pujayet, that that's the word that's used here, pujayet, which can be translated as a, as a causative form, can be understood as, uh, read as a causative, causes others to do worship or helps others to do worship. Uh, uh, uh. So he who worships my uh, deity form without other desires, such as jnana or karma, or he who engages others in worship by making them give wealth, land, and shops, attains prema, Bhakti Yoga, and by Prema, Bhakti Yogena, he attains me. So here, Vishnu Chakravarti reads the Bhakti Yoga as the perfectional stage of, of Krishna Prema. So he gets this. Um, so here, uh, the, the BBT say the previous two verses were spoken by the Lord to attract those interested in fruitive results uh, and now the ultimate purpose of worship of the Lord is described the ultimate goal in life is Lord Krishna himself love for the Lord is the highest bliss although ordinary people cannot understand this uh, and here, uh, the explanation is given uh, for these uh, two verses. Uh, not everyone will engage in the worship of the deity without ulterior motives. But the Lord encourages everyone to take part in his worship in any way possible and thereby become purified. So, even if somebody has a motive, they're welcome to do it with the idea that by doing this gradually, as they make more advancement, it'll be an end in itself because one will feel. Because by associating with the deity, the deity, Krishna and Krishna's form are the same. Krishna and Krishna's picture are the same. Krishna and Krishna's name are the same. The statue is the same. So you can derive everything. Uh, as one becomes advanced. Uh, so they become purified. But those who are engaged as servants of the deity in the temple should keep the goal of devotional service clearly in mind and in this way avoid becoming allured by superficial benefits. It is recognized that full-time deity worship is not usually a popular service because it really is demanding. You have to get up in the morning, every morning. If you miss an RT, it's, it's, it's an offense. You know, so you really, it really is a very, very demanding activity. If anybody's ever engaged in it, uh, it's like having children, you know, little children. You have to do everything at a certain time, and you have to be there for them. And, you know, so uh, it, it, it is very demanding. And, and, and it's physically hard too. Uh, sometimes you have to bend over a pit and clean. All, all so many things are there. Your hands and knees wipe the marble and all these other things. And 
put the anyway. It's it's, it's 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 quite it's quite a demanding service, but wonderful to do. It is recognized that full-time deity worship is not usually a popular service because it tends to be a thankless task. Not everybody will appreciate it, and not everybody thank you for doing this every day. The service really does have to become its own reward. In other words, those engaged in deity worship might feel that other devotees do not sufficiently appreciate deity worship service. But a well-qualified pujari who performs the service steadily with no consideration of fruitive results can recognize that the Lord is personally present in his deity form and thus feel full satisfaction. He understands that his service is an integral part of the preaching mission of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. It's already been mentioned that Lord Chaitanya himself engaged he did not act as a pujari, but he went to the temple every day at Jagannath Puri and, and took darshan all, all the time and visited temples. And of course, his immediate followers, uh, Rupa Goswami, Sanatan Goswami, uh, Raghunath, all these Goswamis established the temples of Krishna and Vrindavan, Madana Mohan. Radha Gopinath and so on. They 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 did all this. They had the temples built. They got people to endow them. They they all all that stuff. Even though they were completely renounced, who lived under a different tree every night so they wouldn't get attached, uh, had people build and establish uh, these these uh, these temples. So it's important. Now, now with text 54 and 55, uh, this is what happens if you do bad things. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 54. 54 goes, Yas, Yas, what Arita sura viprayaho vrittim sa jayate vidbhuk varshanam ayutayitam. Anyone who steals the property of the demigods or the brahmanas, originally given to them by himself or someone else, must live as a worm in stool for 100 million years. So one one who uh, harita takes away, you know the word harita, one who takes away swadatta, something that was he gave and then takes it back, or was parayadattam was given by others. Sura viprayaho, which belongs to the devas or to the brahmanas, that property, that person takes birth, vit uh, as a one who eats dung. So they translate it here as a worm in stool. Vit ayuta ayutam, 
10,000 times 10,000, that many years, you'll take that birth. Uh, uh, so uh, that's the bad thing. And so if you steal from the, the, uh, the deities, it's the uh, uh, same thing. Uh, you, you, uh, because uh, the, 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 the property of the deities is that of the, the devas and the brahmanas who use it in their service. So then text 55 Kartuscha sarater heto animoditur evacha karmanam bagina pretya Buyo Not only the performer of the theft, but also anyone who assists him, instigates the crime, or simply approves of it, must share also share in the reaction in the next life. According to their degree of participation, they each must off suffer a proportionate consequence. Hmm? So this is the kartu. So there's a list. Kartu, the doer, the one who actually performs the theft. Sarate, the assistant. The hetu, the instigator. Uh, and anumodita, the one who approves of it. <laughs> These are the four people who are like, might be there. Um, all of these have to suffer a reaction. Now, this text, uh, it says, uh, the, the words here is, Buyo Buyasi. Uh, 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 as grievous uh, to the extent that the action is grievous. The severity of the action. Uh, so he, here, in, in, in one way to read it, as the BBT does, according to their degree of participation, each must suffer a proportionate consequence. But uh, but Banuswami, following again Vishnu Chakravarti, uh, uh, he translates it like this. Not only the performer of the theft, but also anyone who assists him, instigates the crime, or applauds it, <laughs> must also receive this result after death, since they must share the karma. According to the gravity of the crime, they must suffer a proportionate consequence. So one reading is according to their degree of participation, and the other reading is a proportionate to the gravity of the crime. The crime, and of course, you can have both variables there. Uh, that's part of it. Um, so they they just remark in the BBT, stealing paraphernalia meant for worshiping the Supreme Lord or his authorized representative should be avoided at all cost. <laughs> that's what they say, and uh, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur has said. Uh, in this regard, his his uh, uh, 
The result accrues not only to the thief, but to all involved. The result of the crime after death is experienced by those who assist the act, those who instigate the act, those who applaud the act, since they should share the res- and those who applaud the act, since they should share the results of the crime. According to the seriousness of the crime, Buya Si, there will be greater suffering, Buyaha. So that's where they get this from. Now they comment on this also in the, the uh, Pancharachika Padipika book. Uh, their explanation is uh, Lord Krishna ends his instructions on deity worship with a stern warning. One, no one is forgiven if he takes something meant for the Lord's service or for the service of his authorized representatives of the many offenses that can be committed toward the deity. This is certainly one of the most serious. It is also forbidden to use paraphernalia used in the worship of the deity for other purposes. Lord Krishna instructs Uddhava, now they uh, uh, quote a a couple of verses from uh, the 11th chapter uh, in this uh, canto. A devotee should never advertise his devotional activities, therefore his service will not be the cause of false pride. One should never use lamps that are offered to me for other purposes, simply because there is need of illumination. And similarly, one should never offer to me anything that has been offered to or used by others. They they comment on this. So that's that's the end of the chapter. So uh, this is, in this book here, this is asked to go on to talk about uh, uh, the idea of offenses to be avoided in deity worship. I mean, this what we've talked about here is the most egregious, uh, severe kind of offense: stealing things used by the vote, the vote uh, by the deities or used in the deity service. And they mentioned here in the book Nectar Devotion, uh, in the eighth chapter, there's a list of all the offenses to be avoided in the worship of the deity, which is terrifying to read. Uh, uh, um, but what they, what they do in this, this book here is they give the same list rearranged into four categories of offenses. Uh, so the, uh, the, the, the categories are and this, this list comes from the Padma Purana, by the way. Lack of purity, lack of respect, lack of endeavor, and lack of faith. The four things that cause offenses. Um, they said, although all the offenses could be understood in lack of respect, we provide the categories for clarity. Um, uh, and, and I'm not going to go through all of the, these. Uh, uh, if you have nectar devotion, you can sit down and, and uh, look at that uh, that chapter eight. Uh, they do say, in generally, that offenses are committed with the body, mind, and words. 
and are avoided for the most part by controlling the six urges. The urge of speech, mind, anger, tongue, belly, and genitals. The devotee is always alert to avoid all offenses by remembering that Krishna is personally present in his deity form. Since the Lord is supremely pure, the sevaka cannot approach him in an impure state. Since he is all attractive, the devotee should not dress or act or speak in a way that attracts attention to himself. Or the attention should be on the Lord. So, uh, they have a few comments on these different things. This is general principles. The devotee is always in the position of servant and Krishna is always the supreme master. So the devotee should want to make all efforts to satisfy the Lord by proper worship. Uh, since all advancement in devotional service depends on faith in the spiritual master and Krishna, the devotee does not want to indulge in any activity that would jeopardize his faith. Though there are various kinds of offenses, the Sanskrit word is aparat. Uh, we, we, we have Vaishnava aparat, offenses to Vaishnavas in gen general. Uh, 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 Guru Aparad, offenses to the spiritual master. Seva Aparad, offenses to the, the deities. These are, maybe I've left some out, probably the ones I do, but. Nama. Nama Aparad, excuse me, yes, offenses to the holy name. Thank you. Nama Aparad, yeah. The, the ten offenses, we recite that every day. So these are all the offenses that you can commit, and one should practice trying to avoid these offenses. Uh, so let me just say uh, 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 some of the ideas. Uh, like, for, for example, one should not enter the temple in a contaminated state. One is supposed to bathe uh, and wear clean clothes if one is doing uh, deity worship. Or generally in India, like for example, there's been a death in the family, you don't enter. Uh, uh, you're not supposed to enter immediately after sexual intercourse. Anything that can disturb or disturb or distract your mind from the proper mood, you stay away. Uh, that's one of those things. One of the uh, things if a devotee is perspiring, uh, this is talking about the bujari in direct contact with the deity. Of course, if it's really hot, you can't do anything about it. You shouldn't not do worship, but but uh, anyway. Um, uh, one of the offenses, this is in the category of the lack of purity of body and mind, one should not be angry within the temple. Uh in other words, if, if, if even if somebody has done something that they need to be rebuked or, or, or told, you go outside, at least outside, the, especially not on the altar, but even outside of the temple room. Uh, and then that, so that, anyway, then in the category of uh, offenses due to lack of respect, uh, one should not belch before the deity, for example. You should wait till your food has been digested. <laughs> anyway. uh, 
uh, goes to some details of various things. One should not avoid bowing down before the deity. Uh, and then it mentions here, they say, one should offer obeisances twice to both the deity and respectable persons such as the spiritual master and sannyasis. Once from a distance, when one first sees the respected person, and they get up close when the person sees one. That's interesting, you know, two times from a distance and then up close. Even if one sees the deity from outside the temple building, because you can, sometimes the door is open, you can look and see, uh, one should immediately offer obeisance, pay obeisance, yeah, from a distance. Another offense, one should not bow down on only one hand. When bowing down to someone, one should mentally touch the feet with one's hands. That's what you're doing. Genuine respect calls for touching both hands to the feet. Thus, if one is carrying something, one should first set it down in a proper place and then offer obeisance. You know, this idea you got... <laughs> we, uh, if we have bead bags, you know, they're not supposed to touch the ground, right? They're bead bag, you're carrying it on a strap around you, that bead bag's not supposed to touch the ground. So then you hold it like this and then offer obeisance of water. You're blowing it that way too, so you really, you know, got to think ahead. <laughs> Uh, uh, anyway, it goes on. Uh, anyway, there's, there's, there's quite a list here. Uh, uh, one offense is one should not fail to worship the deity according to one's means. Issue. That's considered an offense. If you're just stingy, if you have a little means, then it's fine. But if you have more means, then you should you should uh, worship the deity properly. Uh, you can't say, Krishna said, if you only want to offer me a leaf, fruit, flower, water, I'll accept it. That doesn't mean okay. I get away with that. <laughs> uh, that's not. You know, then you see things like this, that they explain it nicely. One should not offer incense without offering some flowers. So this, are, this is when you do arti. Doesn't mean that if you just offer your own... Uh, the general principle is that the pujari should perform worship with standard paraphernalia. The pujari may burn incense at any time in the temple, but when he does during an arti, he should offer flowers as well. So the, the, those kind of things are explained in here in more detail. Uh, uh, then it goes up for one should not touch the deities in a dark room. So then they go on to uh, electric lights are there now, you know, no before you go. But, but uh, electric lights may be used. Traditionally, temples, of course, didn't have electric lights. They had oil lamps or ghee lamps. But they said it's not necessary to subject the deity to extremely bright lights either. Right? Anyway, this whole thing about lighting up the altar. Uh, uh, like that. 
that's anyway. Then there's offenses due to lack of faith. Uh, one should not eat anything which is not first offered to Krishna. That's like an offense to the to deity. Uh, whoa! Lightning strikes outside. Is an offense. This actually, Didi Aparai, one should not smoke marijuana or ganja. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know that was Seva Aparai. Huh? Anyway. Uh, so, anyway, there's a, the, 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 that whole list of items and the nectar of devotion, and they comment on a lot of them here. Um, uh, and, and generally, uh, the Pujaris who do regular worship. There's prayers they say after doing it, asking forgiveness if I've committed any offense, because you should not become obsessive compulsive neurosis either uh, when do, becoming so afraid of making offenses that you, you can't appreciate what you're doing either. So, so that, that's the other side of it. But one should, should take care. Okay, that's the end of this chapter. And a quite change of pace with the next chapter called Jnana Yoga. Or Jnana Yoga, if you like Bengali or Hindi. Jnana Yoga, Jnana Yoga. If you like Sanskrit, Jnana, Jnana. Uh, this very interesting chapter, philosophical chapter. Uh, and uh, it is uh, uh, Bhakti itself includes jnana and also karma but karma yoga jnana yoga bhakti yoga they be, becomes more inclusive and so jnana yoga is contained within bhakti sometimes it's done by itself uh, and there's there there because and there's two kinds of jnana yoga two kinds of what calls jnana one is the, the impersonalist Mayavada philosophy uh, in, 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 in which uh, with the doctrine of, of, of illusion that, that, that variety of the world is an illusory superimposition on Brahman and the other is where uh, Brahman includes everything in, in, in the world uh, w w within it. And so both of these are, because, because Vedanta, there, there, there is an impersonal Vedanta and there's a personal Vedanta. And, and with both of them, there's commentaries on the Vedanta Sutra. And, and, and so this will discuss Jnana Yoga, uh, that we, you can read it both ways in this, this chapter uh, coming up. So we'll have plenty of time to discuss that. Uh, and we'll look at this uh, in connection with uh, uh, Chaitanya Charitamrita, where uh, Lord, Lord uh, Chaitanya meets with the impersonalist at Benares. Well, we really have a storm outside now. Hail. There's hail coming down, is it really? Yeah. Uh -huh.
probably had sunshine and rain. A rainbow. And, yeah, they had like four different weather systems today. Huh? Yeah, so questions or comments? Huh? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm distracted by the weather here. See what Krishna's doing. People are listening online. Maybe. Oh, it's okay to ask a question? Yeah, yeah. Sure, Thank you ahead. very much. Um, I actually have two questions. Uh -huh. um, the, they're different. Um, one was about stealing from the devas. Mm -hmm. If you could give an example of what that would be. Well, that, that, uh, the, the things that, that, the, the devas are all servants of the Supreme Lord. So the devas and the brahmanas are both supposed to be representatives of Krishna. Uh, and so uh, this refers to the, the, the temple itself uh, uh, and things in the temple are, are also considered to be the property of the devas uh, and things used by the brahmanas. The brahmanas are supposed to be people who use everything in, in God's service. Uh, and so whatever is theirs uh, is also Krishna's. And the same with the devas, really. Uh, you don't have too much of a chance to steal from the devas, like Hiranyakashipu and others, you know, who engaged in interplanetary warfare with the devas, or Ravana, who, you know, wanted to steal the Lord's wife and, uh, and uh, take over different prop things uh, owned by the Lord. Uh, and Vamana Dave recovered the world in three steps, you know, and it's th those kind of things. We have those stories of stealing, actually stealing from devas by asuras, you know, that because, because we have a history of the world which is basically Star Wars, the universe, where there's been a, a interplanetary warfare going on between the, the, the devas and the asuras. So this is a general... Uh, idea, but th th that's my understanding of what you know. This is in the chapter on deity worship and temp temples. So those things, the, the the temple is a small universe. When the, the Lord is installed, it itself becomes becomes a a, a replica of the universe uh, where the Lord is worshipped, and so the devas are present there. And the Brahmanas are there as the representatives of God, so those are, they're all included. So anyway, that's the way, I, the, way, the way I understand it. Thank you. And then my other question was, um, you had said that it was interesting that we were meant to bow twice, um, once from afar and once from close up. Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering why you found that interesting. Oh, because... The, the big, well, what was interesting, when you see the other person, and that other person, maybe it's a distance, doesn't see you, but still you bow down. And then, when you make some kind of eye contact or recognition, mutual, then you bow down again. I see. Thank you. And that person sees you, you bow down, so you do it twice. That was a personal confusion for me. I, was, <laughs> I would see... Okay, there's Swami's, Swami's, yeah. the obeisances. And then when you got closer, I, I thought you didn't. You know, I thought 
Well, that's what it says here. But especially they're talking about the deities. So when you first enter a temple room, you bow down. Then when you go up to the altar and offer some prayers, you bow down. You know, when you when you get close, twice, like when entering a temple. So all the times that you got close up, you didn't bow down. Well, I guess it's always a great. You, you should always be thinking that you want to bow down and pay obeisances to all devotees. So I guess mm-hmm. that meditation is nice. Well, a lot of times you could you know, spend a lot of time on the ground. You know, <laughs> you're in a place in Mayapur and there's sannyasis everywhere. You know, you're balancing your bead bag on your back. Something practical, practical. Yeah, the bead bag problem is really really a hard one with the one hand thing. That's very. Where's the best place to keep the bead bag? Well, uh, really, what you you usually wear it around your neck, but if you have pockets, you can put it in a pocket, or you can just put it around over your back and hope that, you know it stays there. <laughs> or just set them down before. You, huh? Or just set them down. Or set them down in a, in a clean place. Yeah, you wouldn't put a bead bag on the ground, but you can put it on a table or a tree stump or something. Something. And can you put it in a bag? It is in the bag, but the bag itself right, shouldn't touch you the put ground. That bag into like another bag you could and put that bag yeah you on could the put ground. yeah you could put it into another <laughs> bag and put that hook on the ground that's correct you could do that yeah I was wondering about uh, since we are in this age of Kali and there is a lot of mercy it's one thing that stopped me from doing Pujari service at Radhagovinda Mandir was the fear of not being I don't want to say pure because I'm not close to pure, but just not being qualified. Because mm-hmm. you re- your meditation has to be really in check, you know, and then mm-hmm. it, and it eventually it, it's heavy duty, and I couldn't I, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle having to be you know so correct all the time. But I'm wondering if that was just a trick of of, of, of my mind. I I, I service. have you do you, you go and do an RT or everything? Yeah, I was at the end when when we got Brahman. Part of the condition was that, you know, Rampaja would approve you for a Brahman, but he also wanted you to do some deity worship. Yeah. So Kamari and I both did deity worship. Mm-hmm. And I, I think she, I, I tried to do it like on a weekly basis. And it was just really hard coming from my job and getting to the temple and showering and then getting into the meditation and going on the altar and really having just very but, fearful of this odd reverence. Well, it's good you're a little fearful. But it's good for you. It's very, it's extremely purifying. I mean, really engaging the senses. You know, all your senses are engaged, and you're in association with the Lord. Uh, and uh, I think it's a good idea if people at all can spend some time uh, the more intimate deity worship of bathing and dressing and and something like that. I mean, some some places. They do it on such a high standard, you have to become a, a real trained technician. Other places are a little more simplified. In this, in this, uh, this, you know, Panchirachaka Padipika, they have both, they tell you the rules for, you know, elaborate temple worship in a, elaborate worship in a temple, simple worship for a small temple or at home. And, and so the standards will be different. Uh, so, uh, uh, but it, it's always always good to, to do some deity worship. My my own my own uh, experience was was just forced to do it because uh, we we had uh, 
you know, when when I came, there was uh, I joined the temple. There was a, just this very picture and behind me of Panchatattva on the altar, uh, and that's what we had when I became the temple president. But then I had gone up to New York, and, and these Jagannath deities, which were originally carved for the New York altar, in in. Uh, 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 on Henry Avenue in Brooklyn, uh, they carved Jagannath deities. Then they realized Radha Govinda were coming and they were too big. And, and, and so when I went up there just to get some Back to Godhead magazines and distribute, uh, they said, Oh, you got, you, you've seen Philadelphia's Jagannath deities. <laughs> so basically, they wanted us to sell those deities to us. And, and, and so I took them home. Uh, I wasn't the president yet. Diana Baram was the was 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 the president. But I, t I took them home. I had to send my wife and, and kids back. We had a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> I send them send them back on the train. Put down the back seat the ba the old Volkswagen Beetles. You can lay the back seat down. And I had Jagannath Balaram Zubhadra laying down in the back seat, <laughs> and drove them, you know, to the temple. And when the devotees came, I said to pray, here we have Jagannath, let's install him. He says, no, no, you know, you're supposed to have at least three Brahmins and all that other stuff, you know. And so we put them in the closet because we didn't have the requisite things. They're in the closet. But Nayana Bhairam had had a Rathiatra with a little wagon and three small Jagannath deities in a park. And he had written to Prabhupada about it. And he said, very good that you've had a Rathiatra. Next year, do it again, but this time at least have, a, even if it's small, have a cart with wheels. Instead, no, he had, a pal he had them on a palaquin, that's right. He had them on a palaquin. Instead of a cart with wheels. The next year, I was the temple president. And I had that letter, we had supposed to have Rathiatra. So I thought... We only had, my wife and I by then, we were the only second initiated devotees in the temple. And I thought, well, we'll take these Jagannath deities out of the closet. We'll have a Rathiyatra card, we'll have a Rathiyatra, and put them back in the closet. Because that's what happened last year with the little ones, you know. And so that's what I was going to do. And we had some devotees make a Rathiyatra card, it was pretty big, and I told people about the Rathiyatra and devotees were coming and everything like that. And it suddenly I didn't realize our movement was a party movement. And suddenly, you know, Vishnu Janan was there and all these big kirtan singers. Like there was a temple was filled with people. And there's a reporter there from the, you know, the evening bulletin and did a big write-up about it, actually. So so then, then my Rupanuga, my GBC, came and he said to me, you know, he called me upstairs and he said, you know, you just can't take those deities out, put them on the cart and put them back in the closet. <laughs> so I said, I, here's Punch, here's, here's this brahmachari. He's also a brahmana. Now you have three brahmanas, so install them. So I said, how do you do that? And he said, you bathe them and you have a kirtan and you, you bathe them. So we did. And we have one outfit, and they came. That's how they came. And then my wife and I were taking care of the, the, the deities. And we had, we had, you know, 
And children, no babies, are ba basically, you know, two of them. Uh, and, and and so this was like, a, you know, re really, really hard to do. And I'm sure we created a lot of offenses. <laughs> and then gradually we learned how to do it. You know, we, 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 we took care of them. So that, that, that's, that's how I started deity worship. But it was wonderful uh, to do that, you know. And you had to get up in the morning and... and uh, and we had, the, our altar was a bay window, and even my wife had a dream, you know, that 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 Balaram appeared during the dream and said, "I'm cold. Do something about it." <laughs> and she said, "The deities said they're cold." And I went on the altar and I kind of looked around, and it was winter time, and there was air coming into the bay. We had we had them walled off, but air cold air was coming, and I said, "Yeah, I saw that." And then the second night, I'm still cold. Do something about it. So the next day, I was like there, like fixing it. You know, it was really. And we had, you know, we started having rathiatras every year, and we learned how to do deity worship. And someone came down from New York and told us how to dress better. And we would make our own outfits in those days. Now we get them made in India. We used to do it ourselves, and it was really engagement with senses. So we weren't ready, but sometimes it's a good, it was, and I'm sure we were committing offenses, you know, technically offenses, but that's, anyway, that's what happened. And then gradually, you know, we got, we got uh, them, and then we got Gorni Thai, and then Radhashar Bihari, and after that they came. Like that. Where are the deities now? They're still in Philadelphia. I'm not. I'm not there anymore. But the deities are still being worshipped every day, properly. Yeah. They weren't my personal deities. They belong to the temple. <laughs> and they go out every year. They have a rathiatra. They still have. It's a very big rathiatra. And, uh, and the how come the um, the devotees don't make the clothes? Uh, well, uh, we did it ourselves, and it's very nice to do. Uh, but in Vrindavan there are people who are really good at making deity clothes and that's their profession and so mostly now people just sponsor an outfit and a really elaborate deity outfit will cost, you know, like a several hundred, seven thousand, you know, several thousand dollars uh, to do. So usually we order them in India and get them made there. And then they can do much more elaborate beating and things like that. And, you know, other things like uh, the ones we made ourselves were by uh, contemporary standards, rather simple. But it's nice to do it if you, if you have the manpower. There's also a man, you know, really you can employ an awful lot of people uh, doing these things. Your wife has a question or comment? Go yeah. ahead. Um, I was I was just wondering to respond. Um, someone was saying, you know, I don't feel that um, it's very hard to feel that you're up to the standard, but if it's explained, I think it's in the orange books. Um, These are the orange books. Yeah. Um, Shri Lakalka, or assisting our spiritual master. That's why everything is done 
Yeah, it's also good for humility to think that way. <laughs> yeah. you, you know that. Uh -huh. Yeah, it's true. But Prabhupada, uh, you know, there's many letters from Prabhupada about deity worship. I've installed these deities and I'll please take care of them properly. You know, I'm responsible for this. And, mm -hmm. and he, he's done those things. He wasn't quite sure when he came to America that we would appreciate deity worship and he was very happy to discover that everybody loved doing it. You know, a lot of people try to when they come to America and want to teach uh, uh, yoga or, or some kind of Vedanta, they leave all that stuff out. But, but bhakti especially means engaging the senses in the service of the master of the senses, and so you can really do that uh, by, by deity worship. Uh, and, and everybody really got into it big time. I mean, we really loved doing it. It was like universally appealing that you 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 can you can do these things. And then when you cook in the temple, you're cooking for the deities. That's also deity worship. And there's a certain standard of purity and all those other things that we uh, we we observe. So that everything you get is offered to the made for the deities, and we get deity prasadam, Krishna's prasadam. He accepts it if you offer with love and devotion. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 it's 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 quite a uh, 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 a way of of taking things that we normally would regard as objects of sense gratification for ourselves uh, as to use those same things in Krishna's service and not thinking of myself as the enjoyer, but that Krishna is the enjoyer. So you can get into certain things like, like fine fabrics and, and uh, jewelry, deity and incense and making marbles, altars, and all those kind of things. Uh, but you do it for Krishna, not for yourself. The materialists, they spend a lot of money and they make their, their uh, you know, $60 million penthouse up above Manhattan, and it's got all the things, like they're the deities. <laughs> and they're worshipping themselves. Uh... Uh, we do it, but we do it for Krishna, and we live in those houses as the servants, not as the masters. So it really gives you that mentality of being a servant in a very concrete, specific way that engages your senses. The temples are the palaces where the Lord resides, and the devotees live in the servants' quarters and attend to them. Prabhupada said, like a king in his palace. Well, they're sort of coming back again in a way, but uh, mostly you don't have a lot of servants now, you just have machines. But um, um, yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we do full-on service.
I like uh, I had mentioned it a few classes ago, but um, along these same lines, I like uh, Janani Vasprabhu. He gave a deity worship seminar in, in Potomac this last summer, and he had mentioned during part of it that the reason why we first offer our service to the spiritual master, we're assisting the spiritual master in the deity worship, but for something like offering food, is you're offering to the spiritual master first because your spiritual master says, okay, this is nice, and then they add a few preparations that they know that you like, and then their spiritual master, oh, and then they add more preparations. It goes all the way, all way up, up through to yeah. Radharani. So even if you're just offering some very simple rice and dal, by the time it gets to Krishna, <laughs> it's a quite an elaborate feast. Um, anyways, that was I, I appreciated nice, yeah. that, yeah. that that comment by Johnny Vesperu. That's beautiful. And see, your wife has another comment here. One second. Yeah, Janani Vas is one of the pujaris who serve in our Mayapur temple, where that we do the most elaborate deity worship uh, in, in, in India with lots of deities. There's Radha and Krishna, who are very large, with eight gopis, that's on one altar. Another altar, a very large uh, Panchatattva, uh, deep five, you know, is, is quite, quite huge. And a big Nisringadev deity. And in a sense, that, 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 that temple in Mayapur is the central temple of our movement. And all the other temples are like ex expansions of that temple because it's the place of the appearance of Lord Chaitanya. And the new temple we're building, I'll have a third up big huge altar of the, the uh, whole Guru Parampara. Where's that? In Mayapur, we're building, a we have a temple on, uh, under construction now which will, because the temple we have there now is, is, is temporary. <laughs> and so we finally built a building, a dedicated temple called the Temple of the Vedic Planetarium. That's a whole other story. Uh, but, uh, uh, and, uh, and uh, the, the, the main worship area will have three altars with, uh, uh, Radha Krishna and the eight and the gopis, and then uh, and, and then of of uh, Panchatattva and of the Parampara uh, of, of, uh, with, uh, with uh, featuring the six Goswamis and, and so on, and then there's also the a separate temple for Nishringadev attached to it. There's two wings. And, the, and the one the one wing or the right wing will be the Sringadev's temple, and the left wing will be the the uh, uh, cosmology uh, model of the universe is also the universe is the universal form of the Lord, and so there'll be the the Vedic view of the universe also. Or Puranic, anyway, to be more precise, the Puranic view. 
Go ahead, girl, with this. Oops. Did she hear you? Okay, while we're waiting for her to come back on, uh, just one more question. We've been talking quite a bit about offenses to the deities, and I know there's a prayer that you recite as a pujari after every time you go on the altar and that sort of thing, but gosh, you know, thinking of the long list of offenses that, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, what what can be done? You know, typically if you make offense to a Vaishnava, it's recommended you ask for forgiveness. Or mm -hmm. what, what can be done? I mean, it's just, how do you... Well, well I, to, to, to me, you just have to do your best, be very conscientious, uh, and uh, without being paranoid, and, and uh, yeah, beg for forgiveness, like 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 we do. I, I don't I don't know what what else you can say. As I said, it shouldn't become like a, a come, you know, obsessive compulsive neurosis either. That you are doing these things, and you, you know, uh, 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 a fly lights on you, and you have to go take a bath because you're contaminated, and all these other kinds of things, you know. I mean, just wash your hands. But you know, so it 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 it, it can and 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 I I think that that. Um, what, what you do when you're approaching the Lord is basically you're doing things to your own body that transforms it into a spiritual body. If you're going close to Krishna, you have to become spirit. You're matter, you stay away. So you, you transform yourself by even by putting on tilak and other things, that 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 that, that your body becomes spiritualized. In fact, bhakti yoga, as Prabhupada describes it, he describes it as the re-spiritualization of matter. That's our goal. By using everything in Krishna's service, it becomes re-spiritualized. Because actually. Um, Matter is Krishna's energy, so ultimately it's spiritual also. But you can't realize its spiritual nature only by engaging it in Krishna's service. So what's turned it into maya is our, our taking it for ourselves and using it for ourselves and for our own enjoyment in place of serving Krishna. Uh, the, the example given is here's my, here's my hand. The hand doesn't eat by itself. When it eats by itself, you know, you can, you can, you, you know, you can try to chew, but you won't get any nourishment. The hand has to give the food to the mouth, the mouth feeds it to the stomach, the stomach digests, and the hand is nourished. So that's, so in the same way, everything we use, we give it to Krishna, but we ultimately become benefited that way and we become integrated. We haven't alienated anything from Krishna by our own mentality of taking 
uh, Krishna's place or being a competitor. Uh, and, and so that's our, the, uh, our, our, our mood, uh, our attitude in, in doing deity worship is, is coming to that state of being able to purely approach the Lord. And then there come, you know, if you make some technical mistake, you won't be obsessed about it. It's re really, it's to train the mind. And yeah, to be, and the thing that's the most difficult to deal with is the mind. And it really helps the mind and the senses are really so fully engaged in deity worship that it's very, very, very useful uh, activity. There's nothing like it, really. It's, it's, it's really uh, wonderful. And then the deity starts reciprocating anyway. There's things happen that are very, very far out. If you immerse yourself into this this process, and we have accounts of of great devotees having big conversations with deities, who talk back to them. You know, you're only giving me a dry chapati. Well, it's all I have. You know, <laughs> these things <laughs> these are sometimes are happening like this. Anything else? All right, so next week, if you want to read ahead and you have these books, chapter 28, Jnana Yoga, uh, it says here in the introduction, this chapter briefly summarizes the process of Jnana Yoga, which previous chapters describe in detail. So we've already had, they were really coming to the end of uh, this canto, and so it says brief, let's see, it's not, it is a pretty brief chapter. There is uh, only 28 verses in this chapter, but they're uh, difficult. Then the next chapter after that is dedicated to bhakti yoga. So a little, that's a nice sequence. And then we go back to an historical narration. Because this is all a conversation between Krishna and Uddhava. The conversation ends, and then the next chapter, that is the disappearance of the Yadu dynasty back to those historical events. So, stay tuned. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Shri Prabhupada ki dai, Shri Bhagavatam ki jai.